for SEN America. This is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another massive edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I am your host, Luke Sakari, and we come at you with basketball. Basketball has been played. We're a couple, a few weeks into the season, um, and it's been massive. It's been massive so far. So what we're going to do in this episode, we're going to touch base with all members of the SEN NBA podcast family. So Chris DeSilva and Chris Tyler, we'll catch up with them later in the show to get their thoughts. We've put together some real or overreaction questions. So it's early in the season. We've still got a small sample size on a lot of these games and these players and these teams. So we're going to kind of flesh through some of the main storylines and figure out whether or not that trend will continue throughout the season. But for our first segment and for the entirety of the episode, we have Mike Valisaris here. As always, Mikey, how are you? Oh, I'm great, Luke. I've I've been so excited for this season to start. <laughs> We're now around roughly around seven, six games into the season. My sixes have been absolutely <laughs> unbelievably good. Uh, my prediction at the start of the season is looking like it's going to come true, and that is not an overreaction. Um but I'm really looking forward to doing this podcast. It got me um, really excited when you told me the the theme of it last night. And um, I've been prepping as much as I can, even though I don't know the questions. But uh, yeah, what a season it has been already. And yeah. Just a lot. It looks like these conferences could be switched around yeah. upside down. And, yeah. and, and that wouldn't surprise you. But how no. they stand now are surprising. Um, yeah, absolutely. But we'll talk about that anyway. Absolutely. There's a lot to digest. So let's, oh. we'll jump straight into it. And you kind of alluded to it then. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste time to get into it. So, Mikey, real or overreaction, is Ben Simmons the biggest surprise in the league so far? This is real. And yeah. it, he... It's a surprise at how good he is, yeah. how early. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you. Let me just give you some of the games that he's played. Some of his best games. Okay. He had the triple double against the Pistons. Seventy-two percent he shot from the mm-hmm. field. The Rockets fourteen seven nine yeah. on forty-one percent. Mavericks twenty-three seven and eight for sixty-six percent. And then the Rockets again. Our last game, which we won, we got sweet revenge. Twenty-four seven and nine on also sixty-six. Percent. What hasn't? What has surprised me is obviously we knew his skill set, his ball handling, his uh, vision, his passing skills. It's his composure on the court, how he can read the game, when to get players into the game, when to feed the other player. And as he said after, uh, I can't remember which game it was. He goes, Coach Brown came up to me and he goes, "It's it's your time to take over." And he took over the game and he got. I think it was against. Um, I'm. I, I can't remember which game, which game yeah. it was, but he took over the game, and he and he led them to a win, and, and that's fi- more surprising for a twenty year old. Even though he's been in the NBA system for a year already, a year and a half, you could say now, he's kind of had that advantage over other rookies. But no one thought that he would be this good, including me. Yeah. So it's definitely real, and and he he's the real deal. And look, I've, we all thought he was going to be good. I mean, yeah. we all thought he was going to be a good, great player, number one pick. We also how good we all saw how good he was in college, but for me, it, the biggest surprise factor is just like you said, and you touched on it before, how comfortable he mm. looks so early. I mean, I watch him play sometimes, and he seriously looks like a guy that's been in the league for five to eight mm. years. The way he reads the play, he's comfortable. It doesn't look like he's overmatched. You no, see, a, I, he, a lot of rookies come in, and you can kind of tell they're a bit out of their depth and a little bit. He's just sort of right in, and something that we have to make mention of, and I think this 
amid of all, all of his of his greatness so far. He's just, it isn't historic start in terms of the numbers. He's basically linked to Oscar Robinson in almost every historical sense, which is just unreal. unreal. So it is a historical start. But I think what people are forgetting is, and this just adds magnitude to it, he's coming off a year where he didn't even play basketball. I mean, you take out summer league and preseason and whatnot, Prior to the regular season starting, his last competitive game was in college nearly 18 months prior. So he's been dealing with a foot injury. It's not like he's coming off a, a back of a really strong foundation. Mm. He he's barely played in over a year. I think that's one of the most amazing things. He's taken him no time whatsoever to build his fitness or anything like that back up. It's like he never left the court. It, it, it's phenomenal you say that, actually. I, when you think, when you put it like that, it's even... He's got so much, I guess, I guess the trainers told him that there's probably not an ongoing issue with his foot, so he's got complete confidence in his body. I mean, it's it's his and Joel Embiid's team. Yep. I mean, what's really surprised me also is how, how easily those two have gelled. But more so, Ben Simmons, late, late in games, when the game is on the line, he just looks like he belongs. Yeah. Um, he he obviously doesn't have that jump shot, but that will come, and you can work on that easily. But he just gets into the lane so easily, and he, as you said, a lot of rookies, I guess, like look deers in the headlights. Yeah. Where he he just he, yeah, to me, he looks like a five plus year veteran on the court. All right, well, we'll stay on the topic of the seventy sixes, yeah, Mikey. Real real overreaction. Will, I was going to say can, but we all know they can. So will Philadelphia make the playoffs if Markel Fultz remains out for a prolonged period and Jarrell Embiid stays on his minutes restriction? Well, his minutes restrictions, if he's healthy, he, he won't be on that minutes restriction. I think, yeah. we, I think we all know that. Um, that that's a given. Yeah. Um, Markel Fultz, I don't think, factors in this season, even if he is healthy. I mean, I don't really, I don't follow college basketball, so I don't really know how good he was in college. But they, uh, this is a real uh, team. They're going to make the top eight easily. Well, not easily. easily, but they'll make the top eight. I've said it all preseason. Easily. There's a few podcasts out there with my voice saying <laughs> they were easily. Well, not, sorry, I, I keep saying easily. Maybe they will make it easily. Getting a bit of ahead of himself. They will make the top eight. Uh, either with Fultz in there or without Fultz. I think we've all seen how Fultz has been on the court, and especially his free-throw shooting mm. with that awkward style. Obviously, mm. he's out now for, I think, three-plus weeks. Could be longer, considering could be, could could be surgery or whatnot. They haven't yeah. said season-ending, but mm. we all know the curse that Philly has with their <laughs> early draft picks in recent times. So, you know, if he misses the season, then, you know, I'm not going to be surprised, but... I mean, you look at the team, it's Roko. Robert yeah. Covington has just been phenomenal. He's yep. been shooting the lights yep. out. JJ Reddick brings that um, veteran leadership into the team and pedigree. also shoots, championship pedigree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also shoots at a really high clip, and, and he's there late in games. He's out injured currently at the moment, but even Amir Johnson from the Celtics mm. has been really impressed. And what's more impressive is that these. Veterans that have been in the league a long time, they really back Ben Simmons. They really yeah. back Joel Embiid. They're happy for these boys to know that it's their team. We're here for that veteran leadership to help get those, those, you know, those games in the clinches. When okay, we lost to the Rockets on that buzzer beater by Eric Gordon, which was really heartbreaking at our home court. And JJ Reddick goes, "I'm not here just to have a good year, earn my 23 million. Yeah, I want to win. Yeah, 
And they and can, that, and they and that can is, win. That is a culture that they haven't had. It's not a mindset they've had recently. That's so important to get exactly. a guy who's come from a playoff team for the last five, six years in the Clippers. He wants to win. He doesn't want to just go, right, because he can still play JJ Reddick. Oh, he could yeah. have very easily gone to a, a playoff contending team. Mm. But he it's bringing that pedigree and that mindset. That, that's so, so important, to especially to a young team with so many young pieces. Well, you, you say two years ago they won 10 games, and last year they won... 30, 32 games, I can't really remember, on Joel Embiid's amazing rookie season. Yeah, like quarter of a season as well. They know that they can win now. And they've added mm. Ben Simmons, who, as we've spoken about, looks like a five-year let- uh, veteran um, player on the team who goes, yeah, we can we can definitely yeah. win. And Coach Brown is a phenomenal coach. And yeah. he just does not get enough credit for his coaching skills. He was behind Greg Popovich, who's probably one of the greatest coaches of all time in the NBA history for so long. He coached the Boomers as well. He knows what he's doing, and we're going to talk about another coach later in the podcast. So I talk about Cavs coach who can't really coach. So <laughs> it's we'll get, we'll get to quite that. amazing. We'll get to that. Hey, let's move on. So 76 are a team that have kind of surprised everyone. Another team, Mikey, that has surprised but maybe we probably shouldn't have been surprised. So real overreaction, the Memphis Grizzlies will not die. <laughs> no, nah, it's real. Um, and <laughs> I always, whenever we, whenever we put out those predictions of well, who's going to make the top eight and or who's going to make the playoffs in each conference, and I'm always like, oh, Memphis, they'll be about eight, nine, and ten. And I think this year I had them at ninth or something, and I'm immediately regretting. They're one of those teams that you can never lose hope yeah. in, and they're always going to yeah. be there. And the Timberwolves, for me, are the other team that you go, are it's they the ready opposite. to make that It's league? almost the opposite, aren't they? You can't have um, confidence in them going into the season. But no, Memphis Grizzlies are here for the long term. I don't really watch a lot of Memphis games, but you look at the stats after, you go, how do they win these games? Well, I think I think what we're seeing now with Memphis is we're kind of seeing a bit of a different mindset. They're actually getting a lot more running and they're shooting more free. So they've kind of adjusting their game to the modern NBA. So Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol both look terrific. Chandler Parsons is starting to get some real... That's a key there. You know, it's a big money signing a few years ago. He's had injury issues. He's had form issues. So he's been up and down. But, you know, he's shooting the ball out. He's attacking the basket. He looks really comfortable, confident, and healthy, mm. which is the biggest key. I mean, look, we all said the Grizzlies, obviously, they lost some pieces over the offseason. But we just said... They have to adjust to the modern game, and so far they have. Now, is it sustainable? Well, that's a big question, but we all know they're going to be strong defensively, and they've got that not good home court advantage. So they've just got that culture of winning, that culture that the Sixers are trying to establish. Memphis has already got it. You know, we talk about talent a lot, but a lot of it is, like you mentioned, even with Minnesota, some teams simply know how to win and some teams don't. Mm. You know, And that's a very, very simplistic tunnel vision way of looking at it. But it no, proves true. it proves true so often to the time, and it's it's embedded in the culture Correct. of the organization, Correct. which there could be people that don't even play on the basketball team that are around in CEO positions that they you know they mingle with the players and they're just not from that winning mentality, and yeah. I think that has an effect on the on the psychic of of players as well. Um, do I think Memphis are going to be um, leading the Western Conference into the playoffs? No, I do no. not, because no. I think better teams will catch them. But they're definitely in the playoff yep. race, and they'll probably be top six, yeah. maybe even top four. We'll move on. And, and also, just mention for those who sent in Twitter questions as well, we will get to them later in the podcast. So the Twitter question you guys sent in, sent in they will be answered. Uh, next rule or overreaction, Mikey. Rule or overreaction, Eric Bledsoe's tweets and off-court antics are hurting his trade value. Uh, overreaction, not at all. Yeah. Um, 
What a funny, what a, what a weird, funny situation. What a strange situation. I mean, do, do you believe he you was at the said, Stalin? You said that the Phoenix Suns will be boring to watch. And this they is, are boring to watch. They are the, the best soap opera drama of the season. This is so entertaining. We <laughs> MTV could make a show out of this. They've sacked their coach after three oh. games. Their star point guard or star guard, star player, whatever you want to call him, wants out because... You know, he's not happy there. He said he was at a hair, getting a haircut. Well, that was false. And he's, he tweeted wild when they won, like it was this big, unbelievable shock to him that they actually won a basketball game. This is funny. <laughs> they've sent him home. They said they're not going to be there. Now they're shopping around. Where he goes is anyone's guess. Um, I don't think it's hurting his trade because we know he's a sensational player. Wouldn't the player. Cavs love to just be in a position to grab him? Hey, he's, a, he's, now. he's a rich, poor client, so he's got a strong relationship with LeBron James. But they, there's no way they could afford him. And who uh, would they? Maybe if you're offloaded oh, what, someone like a Kevin Love like or what? Shumpert? Oh, well, I don't think. Do you, want, do you need Shumpert? Well, he, he's out for a, a week or so for an injury. I don't think he's got that much trade value. Um, look, oh, Shumpert and a Brooklyn pick. I, I would love an Eric Bledsoe. I just, I don't. They're not going to give the pick uh, for him. I wouldn't give up a pick for nah, him. No, no, you wouldn't. Um, um, but yeah, just your take on the whole situation because it's been strange. No, nah, it's not hurting his value because nah. they know what he's like as as a player. He's a fantastic point guard. Um, what how he fits into your team is probably the best question. I don't really know what type of is he. He's he's, he's a versatile guard. He's a, he's a versatile utility. Guard. He can do a bit of everything. Can he? he can shoot. As He'll well, be but a he's massive an under, a- undersized sh- shooting. He'll guard. be a massive asset to a good team. Yeah. Massive asset. I, I massive X factor. He's I don't right. think it hurts his uh, trade value at all. I think he's on a pretty semi big contract. I think he's on fourteen million this season. Whether they can fit him, I don't know where he would suit. Maybe a New Orleans Pelicans, mm. but the, they've obviously given the Drew Holiday mm. a massive five year deal. Um, but no, it doesn't hurt his his trade value right, whatsoever. We'll move on to our last one before we 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 we, we go to Christos over in the states. Now, Mikey, this is one that this is an element of the season that me and you are both excited for. We spoke a lot about these coming into the season, but look, I hate when I see players walk off the court with ripped jerseys. So I've got to ask you: Have the Nike a real overreaction? Has the Nike NBA jerseys been a disaster so far? The way they look, no, they look fantastic, yeah. and all the apparel that goes with Correct. it, those hooded jumpers yes. on the bench, yes, which I really want, <laughs> they look fantastic. Other jerseys on the court, I think there's been three rips. There oh, was one they look in horrendous. preseason. There was LeBron in the first game of the season, yeah, and then there was the Draymond Green when he got into a scuffle yeah. with Bradley Beal, and it pretty much was in half. It was yeah. hanging well, off. It's, off not, it's not a little shoulder. rip. It's li- the, literally the jerseys are ripped completely in half. And you actually, I don't think Nike, or maybe I've missed it, but from what I've seen, they haven't put out a statement or anything. So they have put out a statement. They, they have. said that they've, uh, it was after the LeBron rip. They said they've been bitterly disappointed and they will they'll work they'll, on they'll it. They'll work on well, every they haven't avenue been, to fixing Well, they their haven't jerseys. been worked on so far. I'm a bit disappointed in seeing a lot of players getting their jumpers ripped apart. But they do look absolutely wonderful. There's I'll no doubt this. about that. Does it? Look bad for Nike. Uh, yeah, in yeah, a way, yeah, it does. It does. But is it going to stop anyone going to buy a jersey? Nope. No, because nope. you're going to go and spend a hundred dollars or so on a jersey. Are you going to really play high competitive basketball? No, you're going to be wearing it down the shops to look cool. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the bottom line. And hopefully, someone doesn't tag rip on it and it rips apart. <laughs> then, then Nike, you've got a real issue. <laughs> no doubt. All right, we'll see you on the other side of the SCN NBA podcast. We're about to head over to Brooklyn, New York City to catch up with Chris Tyler. Welcome back to the SEN NBA podcast, and as promised, we are now heading off, Mikey, to our man in the States, 
Christos Tyler has just camped himself down in New York City. Chris, welcome to the podcast again. Fellas, what's going on? Not much. How have you um, enjoyed, before we get stuck into the rule or overreaction questions, how have you enjoyed your first few weeks of the NBA season? Are you just engulfed in basketball at oh, the moment? Every night. Every <laughs> night I've got something to do. It's fantastic. Unfortunately, my uh, homework's taking a bit of a hit. Yes. I should probably be doing homework a lot more than I am <laughs> at the time, but man, it's it's completely worth it. I, I normally stick around at school, actually, because I've normally finished school at about 7 or 8, so stick around in the library and got my laptop with me and just watch the game and then um, afterwards it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, we'll get stuck right into the real or overreaction question. So I'll throw you the question, you respond, and then I'll let Mikey join in on the conversation and we'll we'll go from there. So basically, Chris, you know, we're, we're three weeks into the season. Okay, so this is a time where a lot of people get some small sample size, two, three weeks in. <laughs> it's a small sample size period, but let's start. And I've purposely put this question about this player in for you for your first question. So, Chris, real or overreaction, is Giannis Antetokounmpo the current MVP favourite? I knew that was coming, and of course he is. I did it before the start of the season, and he's exceeded even my expectations. I had more hopes for Giannis this year than pretty much anyone else in the world, and he's still somehow managed to surprise me. He's out of the what has it been? A six games I think they've played, and he holds the record for the most amount of points scored for a Bucks player for the first six games uh, of a season. So that just goes to show how dominant he is, and he's doing it without three point shot as well. Most of his points come from pretty much the rim, and everyone knows that he's going to play only at the rim, and he still manages to get his shots up. That just shows how dominant he is. It's not as if they have to play. You know, it's, it's not as if they have to like guide him close at the three-point line and he makes his way past them. They play off him and they double-team him and he still somehow manages to score over 30 points a game. It's phenomenal what he's doing. He is easily, in the, in, in, for me at least, easily in, the, in, in ahead, I guess, is what I'm looking for, ahead in the MVP race. <laughs> oh, it's no doubt this is a real thing. This is not an overreaction. His averages are out of this world at the yeah. moment and... I think Chris nailed that one straight on the head. I think me and you, Luke, picked Kyrie Irving, uh, which isn't looking too good now. He's starting to get it together. But Giannis and Cooper, as, as yeah, Luke... Last couple of games looked all right. Last couple of yeah, really he's good. starting to get it together. But Giannis, who, who doesn't have a jump shot, and he can't Correct. shoot the three, and he, he can still get into the lane so easily. He's got the handle. He can back down. He can do the fadeaway. It's just quite amazing. There was a game a couple of days ago. I can't remember who they played, but he had three players on him inside the paint, and he still dunked on them. It's just, he, he he has done what a few of us have expected, but even exceeded those expectations as well. And I think, Chris, what we're also seeing with Giannis at the moment is just the confidence level. You know, even though he hasn't got that jump shot, he's still just, he, he's so confident in himself, whether it's on the offensive or defensive end. He kind of knows, he's going to hit a stage yeah. where he knows that no one can really stop him. He's got these unique these unique, you know, individual innate talents with his length and his speed and his strength and all that type of stuff where it's just... And, and the, thing, the, thing is, the thing with him as well is he's not a selfish player. He is more than happy to give up a pass to his teammates if they're in a better position. He always looks for the open man. He's got a great basketball mind, so he's getting rebounds. He's doing it on, firstly, he's doing it offensively and defensively, and he's getting his teammates involved. He's not just putting up shallow numbers. He's not just putting up big points... And that's it. He's doing it all around the board. Last year, he was the only player in the league to lead his team in all five major categories. He's going to do it again this year 
because of how much he's, he dominates the game more than pretty much anyone else in the entire NBA in all facets of the game, offensively, defensively, uh, points, rebounds, assists, all that sort of stuff. It's phenomenal. He knows it's his team right now. He's got the backing from his coach who absolutely adores him. He just knows he's got that green light almost like Steph Curry. Shoot it wherever you are on the court. You can do it. If you get it. if you miss it, doesn't matter. That's pretty much how Giannis is playing. He's playing free, open. He goes, if he makes some mistakes, he knows Jason Kidd is just going to go, keep doing, man. You can do this. Yeah. So yeah. he and, knows and- that. And he goes, oh, I'm doing whatever. And he's playing freely. And... He's got an amazing array of talents and skills that a lot of NBA players wish they had. And that is so important for a young player to have yeah. that confidence from your coach and from your playing group yeah. installed in you because it just makes everything, those mistakes, a lot more easier to consume. Sure does. Chris, we'll move on um, to your next real or overreaction. So real or overreaction, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can keep this form up. Um, real, because they're going to have the opportunity to. It's not as if there's a, an injury that someone else is going to come back into the lineup and take away these guys' minutes. Hayward's out for the season, which means they, the Celtics are going to rely on these guys more than we thought, as we as Celtics supporters, thought that they were going to have to rely on them before Hayward went down. The way that Brown has been shooting over the last couple of days has been a little bit worse than how he started off the season, but he's still got the confidence. Even when he went 0 of 8 against the Heat over the weekend, he still had the confidence to keep shooting, and by the fourth quarter, he was actually shooting fine. Tatum yesterday, similarly, only shot seven uh, times throughout the entire game, only had two or three attempts, I think, by three-quarter time. So there'll be games where they're a little bit quiet, but again, like we were mentioning before with Jonas and his defense, these guys make sure they contribute defensively as well. Tatum especially, he makes sure that if he's not getting the shots that he wants and he's not contributing as much as he wants offensively, he'll still make sure that he gets involved defensively. He's pulling down a whole bunch of boards, and this is surprising for me because I watched a lot of Tatum in college, and he wasn't really known for his rebounding. And so the fact that he's managed to, I think he's averaging somewhere near 10 rebounds a game, which is phenomenal for, for someone like Tatum. So I think that if they can keep up that defensive effort, they can certainly maintain their level of play. Obviously, there'll be some slumps along the way, but for the most part, I think that what we're seeing from the first couple of weeks is what we can pretty much expect from the rest of the season. So I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with them. It's probably a little bit optimistic, but I think that they can actually continue on their trajectory based purely on the fact that they're getting a lot of minutes. And they're only going to get more comfortable, and they're only going to get better chemistry with the other teammates, I think, I think that'll be fine. Uh, I'll quickly chuck in my next question because it does relate to Boston as well and we can have a more wider Boston Celtics discussion. So, Chris, rule or overreaction, the Celtics, as we're recording this, the Celtics' current five-game winning streak is more of a fair representation of where this team is at compared to their losing streak prior. Yes, I don't think it's completely indicative of where they're at, but it's a lot more indicative than the two-game losses in a row because when you think about it, the opener, five minutes into the opener, Gordon Haywood goes down. The entire team is noticeably rattled for the first two quarters, and Cleveland just completely outplays the Celtics, both offensively and defensively. Then in the second half, once once the Celtics kind of composed themselves, had a chance to talk to Haywood at halftime, had a chance to sit with Coach Stevens, and Coach Stevens can kind of talk them through and say, let's do this for, for Gordon. Once they had a chance to kind of decompose everything a little bit, and they managed to shoot themselves back into the game, and obviously only lost on that... Uh, Missed buzzer beater from Kyrie Irving over LeBron James. Then the night after, on a back-to-back, they play the Bucks. Giannis' first game of the year, end up losing that. They probably should have won that because they were up late in the game as well. 
but there was fatigue because they were coming off a back-to-back. So there was two unique circumstances that led to both of those losses. They've proven since then that they can not only beat teams like the 76ers and the Knicks, who they should beat, but they can also beat the teams that are probably expected to make the playoffs uh, in the Eastern Miami Heat and one of the best teams in the league in the San Antonio Spurs. Now, obviously, the Spurs didn't have Kawhi Leonard or Tony Parker or Manu Ginobili. We can also say from a Celtics perspective, they didn't have Gordon Haywood and they didn't have Marcus Morris. So it kind of evens itself out a little bit there, even though obviously Curry's a better player than, than Haywood. Um, so I think even though I don't think the Celtics are locked still for a top four position in the East, they're still going to be a very good team. And, and whoever wrote them off, and I was, I was close to writing them off, but whoever explicitly wrote them off will be proven wrong by, by the end of the season, I'd say. This is real. They're, they're a really good team, thanks in, in part to like Jason Tatum. He, even more so than Jalen Brown, I, f- I feel that he feels a lot more comfortable on, mm. on the court. He's more consistent on the court than Jalen Brown. I feel like Jalen Brown, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Chris, he could be more of like a streaky kind of player, have some really good games and have some really down games. But I think Kyrie Irving's yeah, feeling the team out. He's starting to feel his role even better, and he's starting to take charge. And I've been really impressed with Al Horford's start to the year as well. He, he He's kind of going um, back to that Atlanta Hawks where he was an all-star kind of form, and it's really helping the team. And they're, they're a legitimate um, – I'd say, yeah, top four easily in the East, even though I've been surprised by a lot of these East teams already. Uh, you'd certainly lock them in. I was I was also one of those people that was about to write this team off, but I think Kyrie Irving and I think the group is starting to, I guess, get together or reform after that catastrophic injury to Gordon Haywood, which would have knocked them, and no blame to them, like psychologically as well, just trying to get over this massive news that their big star of the off-season signing has gone down within five minutes of the game. So I think they're starting to get over that. So I think yeah. this five-game win streak is is way more real than their two-game losing streak. And I think it's season. important as well. As, we, we do. I think it's important to mention just quickly, Chris, um, that they still got one of the, the league's top defences. Mm. I think they're second in defensive rating. Or number third. one. Or they're number one now. Okay, so they were sitting there at number one. Yep, so number one. Um, that because that's the backbone of the of this mm. team, while the offense still figures itself out with Irving and, and Horford, which is getting better. But obviously, there's still some time to. Yeah, their chemistry is fantastic. They've Correct. really worked out how to play with one another, and it's only going to get better as the season progresses. But you just mentioned the defense before. It's not just the main guys that are contributing defensively. It's the backups. It's the guys that are uh, role players. Guys like Aaron Baines, who came in and no one was really expecting how much he was going to contribute to the team. It's guys like Daniel Tice, who no one really knew of a couple of months before the season started. It's guys like Semi Ojale, who was picked at 36 in the draft. All of these guys are contributing fantastically defensively and you know, acting, especially in Tice's situation, acting against rim protector, a legitimate rim protector that the Celtics haven't had in a long time. And then you've got guys like Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and even Jalen Brown who are doing a fantastic job of defending the perimeter. There was a, a sequence of play in last night's game against San Antonio where their closeouts were just fantastic. I've never seen a Celtics team close out the way that this team does. They play with heart. And I think a lot of it comes down to when the, the fact that Sometimes in sport, when your best player goes down with an injury, everyone else takes it upon themselves to really step up and try hard every night. It's now up to them to really play as hard as they can. 
And even though a lot of the Celtics bench players don't really have the name recognition, they're coached so well by Coach Stevens that they're just bought into the system, including Kyrie Irving. You you know this, Luke. The last couple of years, Kyrie Irving's been criticized for his defense, Mm -hmm. but now he's brought into Brad Stevens' system. In the last couple of games, he's been really good defensively. And he said post-game yesterday that the reason why he's been better defensively is because he's bought into the system. He loves Brad Stevens' playbook, and Brad Stevens just teaches uh, defense to these guys like they've never been taught before. So all of these things combined, and it's just really, it's, it's going to be a really exciting season for the Celtics. I don't think they're going to be legitimate contenders, but it just gives an opportunity for these younger guys to show what they're made of. So by the time that Haywood comes back next year, they've all got a lot more reps than they would have otherwise. They're all a lot more comfortable with each other, and they're going to be really ready to contend next year. No doubt. We'll move on, Chris. And I know, Mikey, you particularly want to get your thoughts on this question as well. But I'll throw it to you first, Chris. Real or overreaction? Victor Oladipo has proved to be the best player out of the poor Georgia trade so far. (laughs) So far, yeah. He has. Paul George has struggled a lot more than everyone was expecting. And Oladipo somehow looks like a superstar, putting (laughs) up some big-time numbers on an Indiana team that's actually getting a couple of good wins. So I obviously don't think that that's going to continue for too much longer. But look, kudos to Indiana. It's, along with that, Sabonis is actually looking quite good as well. So right now you'd say that the Pacers haven't completely lost that trade, which you know a couple of months ago everyone was criticizing them heavily for it. But you know, good on them. They've kind of gotten uh, a lot more than I think all of us were expecting. Can he keep this up? I don't think he can. I think I've been surprised. No, I, I think, think so six games in, I've been super surprised by, yeah, his play and also Sabonis' play, also the Pacers' play. He's averaging almost 26 points a game, four rebounds, three assists on 47% mm. shooting from the three-point line. That, there is no way he's keeping that up. Yeah, look, I think I think <laughs> that's the biggest key with Oladipo at the moment is he's always been... He's always had talent, but he's never been able yeah. to put it together on the offensive end and become that consistent scorer. So, look, he's not going to shoot 47% from three for the season. We understand that. Yeah. But if he can score 20 to 25 points, shoot around that 38 42% mark just from the field in general, that's a very, very efficient and consistent scorer if he keeps for the it Indiana above Pacers. 20 Correct. Yeah. For the season, then that. <laughs> They've broken even, if not won it. I mean, we and all know what and, Paul George can do. And, he's and, feeding, he's, he's feeling his time out with yeah. that star-studded Oklahoma City Thunder team, which has been impressive as well. But will he keep it up? Probably not. But if he stays yeah. above twenty, then they've won. And look, we we all thought the Indiana Pacers might have fallen off a little bit this year. They haven't looked. They haven't I won they a lot would've. of games. But they've been um, competitive and they've been good. You know, right now you'd say they're still definitely a playoff, looking like a playoff team. The Indiana Pacers, and we'll move on. Chris, the last question on a team that somehow looks like a playoff team, a team that I wanted to bring up with you in particular, real or overreaction, the team that I'm pretty sure you mentioned is one of the league's most irrelevant in our... I know where you're going this. In the leagues, one of the league's most irrelevant teams that you mentioned in our uh, uh, pre-season uh, preview, season preview edition of the podcast, the Orlando Magic, can they keep this up and make a playoff run, Chris? Real or overreaction? They can't keep up their current form, but look, I'm not going to be surprised anymore if they make the playoffs. We saw it last year with the Wizards. Mm. At the start of last season, none of us expected the Wizards to even get close to a playoff berth, and they ended up being a top-four seed, and a lot of Wizards fans will tell you they probably should have made the Eastern Conference Finals. So 
the Orlando Magic might be the team to make that jump this year. They're looking very good. Vucevic is looking like... I don't even How about Aaron Gordon? know who to compare him to. He's looking phenomenal. Aaron Gordon as well is looking really good. But I'm back on the bandwagon, guys. I don't know if you saw my tweet. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there was a picture of me that my parents found when I was about, I guess, nine in an Orlando Magic T-shirt and an Australian cricket cap backwards. And I was playing the, the uh, tennis racket guitar. Uh, it looked pretty badass, i got to say. And, and I'm, I'm back on the bandwagon. Um. Aaron Gordon <laughs> has been fantastic. He's playing like Blake Griffin is also yeah. playing at the Clippers. Yeah. But you know what an underrated signing that we didn't mention? I definitely didn't even Simmons. think it would be a a, a thought coming in is Jonathan Simmons mm. from the Spurs. Now, the Spurs yeah. didn't – Greg Popovich in particular didn't want to lose Jonathan Simmons. They just couldn't afford to keep him around. Yeah. He's in their starting lineup, I think – um, and he's been just absolutely phenomenal. And I think he's a big reason to their impressive um, start to the season. Will they keep this up? No, I think I think Chris was probably correct. I think they are still, okay, maybe not irrelevant, but I still don't see them, how do I word, maybe not making the top eight in the East. So not making the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't want to say that because they probably <laughs> make the playoffs. Well, if they don't make the top eight, um, they ain't making the but playoffs. But they're definitely relevant, and um, I think it's an overreaction, though, if I, right. if, we, if you okay. want to get the answer out of it. All right, it. that is fair. Well, Chris Soss, uh, thanks for joining us. Again, you know, it's early season, so it's hard to draw complete conclusions at the moment, which is why we did the rule or overreaction format on the Yes Again NBA podcast today, and I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Soss. And make sure you hit me up on Twitter as well, at Christos Tyler. I've got a whole bunch of articles that go up there as well as whenever we do a podcast like this, I tweet it out. So if you ever miss any podcast, you can make sure that, uh, that, that you find out about it on my Twitter account. So make sure you hit me up there. Welcome back to the SEN NBA podcast. Uh, we'll move on, Mikey. We'll move on because we've got our other special guest on the line. Of course, a very, very good friend and well-known member of the SEN NBA podcast has actually relocated himself up in Sydney. So no longer in Melbourne, but Chris De Silva joins us as he always does on the line, on the line, not in studio, of course. Chris, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, good to finally, I guess, get in the saddle again. Although I'm mm. not really there. Um, <laughs> You're here in eight. spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This is an international, interstate podcast <laughs> team that we are. Uh, we welcome on. all. We welcome we all do. here on the SCN NBA podcast. Hey, Chris, it's before bef- before we yeah. get stuck into the questions, this your, your general overview of the first first couple few weeks of the season. You know, have you been engulfed in basketball like the rest of us? Just a general overview before we get stuck into some more uh, in depth particular topics. Yeah, well, I've. Um being in Sydney, my a lot of my work's at night, so during the day I've actually got nothing to do. So I've, yeah, I've been engulfed in it. Um, I find every day, but probably for like the first month or so, there's so many storylines every night. Mm. So um, you chuck on League Pass, and every day there's you know maybe two or three good games that that look through the schedule, and you're like, hey, I really want to see, you know, what this team does, what this player's doing. You might. You might find that a, a surprise player has started off really hot, and you want to see what they're doing or, or a team. So, um, yeah, I, I found that the start of the season has been, been brilliant for me. All right, we'll get straight into it then. I think it's no real surprise the theme that this little ten fifteen minutes is going to be, Chris. So, we'll get started. Real or overreaction? 
the Cavaliers should be concerned about their start? Um, it's funny. Uh, can I say both? Fifty-fifty. <laughs> like, yeah. Look, I think um, some of the stuff absolutely is really a concern, um, particularly yeah. the defense, yeah. um, which has been a long-standing concern for the Cavs. You know, Luke. You know this. Yeah. Um, you know, having watched this team, even when they had Kyrie Irving um, in tow. They they were still not a great defensive team, you know. Yeah. I think they haven't ranked above higher than tenth in defense, even even in the year that they won the title. So they've never been an airtight defense. Um, but having said that, when you looked at the additions they brought in this year, you know, guys who weren't really uh, other than Jay Crowder known to be defensive. Uh, specialist, if you like. And, so, and, and just jumping in there, Crowder hasn't been yeah. great on the defensive end, nor has he received prolonged minutes to kind of prove himself. He's been a bit of... Yeah. It's, it's a strange how they're using Jay so far. Yeah, exactly. And and it's funny you mentioned the minutes, and this is where I think um, you can probably look at it being an overreaction, if you like, yeah. because with the Cavs' problems, I think, I think that the centre center to them is the fact that they haven't settled on a rotation yet. Um, you know, they've had four starting lineups in uh, seven games now, and you can see, especially on the defensive end, guys just don't know what, especially when they're switching on pick and rolls or rotating onto the weak side, they they don't know what, what their teammate is doing. And, and that's the product of them just having not played much much games together. And and you can say, see that guys don't really know night to night, you know, which four or five guys they're going to be sharing the floor with. So when you've got a when you've got a rotation set and guys know, okay, you know, say JR knows, okay, I'm going to be playing with LeBron, Love, and Tristan um, the majority of the time, or you know, J- Jeff Green knows that he's going to be playing with Kyle Korver and D Wade. Um, so early part in the se- early part of the season, Ty Lue has been pressing a lot of buttons trying to figure out exactly what the best rotation is. Um, and I think until he does that and settles on, okay, these are my 10, 11 guys and I'm going to play, this is my starting lineup and I'm going to ride with them, um, then guys can um, develop a sense of continuity and and you'll find that they communicate better a little bit on, on the defensive end. Like, when you look at every single team, not every team has, you know, four or five all defensive players. You know, almost every team has, has you know, two or three or even four defensive liabilities, if you will. But one thing that's really important is, is team defense. And, you know, five guys being on a string is um, something we always talk about as something that constitutes good defense. So... And you can only do that when guys have played together, you know, for for an extended period of time. So I think that's the overreaction side of it that I think will improve as these guys play more games together. Because look, they've they've brought in so many new pieces this year. Um, but having said that, the defense is a concern. Um, I think the offense has a con- is a concern as well because a lot of the last season and the season prior to that. Um, a lot of their defensive shortcomings were overcome by just outscoring teams, um, and they were able to do that, you know, spreading the floor with shooters and stuff. But this year, with the different personnel, they can't exactly do that. Well, and particularly from the point guard spot, not until Isaiah returns. So um, that is concerning. Um, you know, J.R. Smith being cold from three-point land is a yeah. big 
I mean, factoring why why they've sputtered. There's just there's just a lot of elements to it, Mikey, isn't there? They're just. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Like Chris said, J.R. Smith as well on the offensive and defensive end. There's no continuity or just efficiency or anything of the like. Absolutely not. They should not be concerned as of yet. If they continue this, then obviously it's a concern that goes without saying. I think J.R. Smith has been he he hasn't found a rhythm. Obviously he. He he found out early on it, before the season started that he'd be coming off the bench, so he kind of sulked a little bit. Now he's starting, and he still hasn't found his shot. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. They let um, the I think it was the Bulls and the Nets yeah. shoot 107, oh, 117, 17 <laughs> three pointers <laughs> against really them. Bad. <laughs> but their last four game, well, their last five games, 114, 112, 112, yeah. 123, 114. You're not going to win many games unless you're the Warriors. When you allow those many points to be put on against you, and it's not only that, Mike. Yeah. It's that the fact that they've lost to Orlando. Orlando do look good. We spoke with them earlier, yeah, but yeah. they're a team that Cleveland should be beating in New York, New Orleans, and Brooklyn. So it's just losing to those really poor teams, which makes you get concerning. Hey, Chris, we'll move on. We'll before stick- before yeah. we move on, they're still the best team in the East by a long margin. Yeah, they paper. need to get it to go, and the all star that they traded for is still sidelined. So yeah, they're but playing but, without, yeah. they've they've actually lost. They've lost Kyrie Irving. They haven't really gained anything, and they've got a lot of new. This team is com- a l- very different to last season. Yeah, but a lot so of the pieces are very seven games in. Seven games in, you should not be worried. No, but a lot of the pieces are a bit concerning in terms of the fit. They're, they're older. There's no guarantee on Isaiah Thomas. I, it, for me, it's not an all-star for all-star replacement because he's not going to be pl- comes. They're expecting him to be back in January, but who knows? He had he wouldn't have played basketball in what ten months, ten nine months. You know, he's going on to thirty. Oh, he's not he's only twenty eight. De- he's not going to have the defense. He's not going to have the defense whatsoever. No, so, but team I, defense, yeah, yeah but he's not a very good defender. No, he's not, not a good defender no matter what. So, a bit of wait and see on that. Anyway, hey, Tristan Thompson has been a massive. Thompson looks a bit complacent and just looks a he bit looks, comfortable in his own the skin. Curse is now. real. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on, Chris. We'll stick on the Cavs theme. So, Christos, not Christos, Chris. We just spoke to Christos. Excuse <laughs> me. There's a lot of Chris's in this podcast. Real yeah. or overreaction? Kevin yep. Love, you know, he's a name that a lot of Cavs fear. He's been a bit of a whipping boy. He'll be yep. traded before the deadline. I think that's an overreaction. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see any any reason why they would. Um, you know, Kevin Kevin's actually been one of the guys who's looked good mm. um, to start the season. You know, I think in the offense you've seen them use him more as a passer um, in the high post, um, which is good. You know, that's that's how you should use him. Um, even him, he he's getting, you know, a double double almost every night, and his shot really hasn't been there. So, I think it can only go go upwards for him, and I definitely wouldn't be trading him. Uh, overreaction, massive overreaction. Mm. I, I thought him coming in, I thought he might be going back to his. Um, Easy double double days back in in when he was in a Timberwolves uniform. I've been a little bit disappointed with Kevin Love. He hasn't really grabbed the I'm the second best player on the team uh, mantle yet. He hasn't owned it. He's we've all seen how bad his defense is, especially against the Warriors in the finals last year. He, he just looks uninterested on the defensive end. We, a lot of Cavalier players look like that right now, but it's a massive overreaction. And, and I would I don't think there's a better player out there that you trade him for. And I, I think this Cleveland Cavalier team is all about chemistry and they've just got to build that chemistry. And as Chris said, continuity together. And I think they'll work this out. Chris, we'll jump into our next one. Real or yeah. overreaction? Tyrone Liu is the league's most uncreative coach. <laughs> um, I, 
Jeez, this is a tough one as well. You're giving me tough ones today. Um, <laughs> well, you expect anything different? <laughs> look, uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, myself, Mike, you, none of us in we're, we're exactly in a position to judge creativity. You know, these Correct. guys are so much, so much smarter than us. Um, having said that, I would like to see him. You know, that Tyloo. He doesn't seem to be as innovative as some of the best, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if that's to be fair. Um, having said that, look, this is a guy that that has won an NBA title, and, mm. and you know, on now you may say, okay, he had LeBron, um, but he he made pretty um, pretty big uh, personnel adjustments throughout the that final series where they won, and even preceding that in the playoffs, you know, adjusting from opponent to opponent, he's shown to be excellent in um, out-of-time-out out plays as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he's certainly got his warts. Um, and I think one of his biggest warts for me is not sending on a rotation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and he does tend to ride units a bit too long. Mm. Um, yeah, and, we, and we, we, we were chatting about that the other day, Chris. I forgot what game I was watching. It might have been the Milwaukee game. I can't remember, but... Yeah, there was a rotate. There's just been a lot of lineups where just they're a strange, strange mix. Um, for me, it yeah. more so comes down to the off. And look, we're not very early in the season. We understand that there is some new pieces, but it still just seems like the offense is just very LeBron centric, and as it should be in a way. But there doesn't seem to be many, you know, real smart, beautiful plays drawn up. It's very just, just stagnant, and it's not fluid. And I don't know, when it goes badly that way, it just looks really, really ugly. It looks like five separate, you know, it looks, it looks, doesn't look like a team they're, out there. They're, they're not connected. The sad, yeah, exactly. There's no that's, connectivity. And I, I just don't think that Tyrone Lou is a good coach. Um, I think, you know, we, I, I watched a lot of the Cavaliers last season. I've watched a little bit this year, mainly been watching all my sixes play unbelievably well, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I just don't think. He he's good enough to coach. He's obviously got the backing of LeBron James, which is probably ninety nine percent of your success in the Cavaliers organization or wherever LeBron James is play. So he's got that backing. But I just don't think he's good enough. I just don't think he makes the right moves or he's quick enough to respond to teams' changes on his his own team's um performance. So yeah, it's uh, not an overreaction. We'll move on to our next point there, Chris. It's still on a Cavalier theme in a way, but in a bit different. It, it's yep. somewhat connected. What did we expect? It's Two su- Cavaliers no, fans. Well, it's somewhat connected to the Cavs in a roundabout <laughs> way. Chris, ruler overreaction. Is that Brooklyn first-round pick losing value? No, nah, I don't think it is. I think that's an overreaction. Um, you know, we see this all the, all the time with young teams that they're raring to go. You know, they yeah. haven't played basketball since April and um, you know they they look they look better than they actually are um, in the first month or so of the season um, you know there's a lot of weird things going on in the in the league right now and that's just um, half of the course in, in in a long season but I think the net still although they've added some young pieces Young guys just don't win. Um, teams teams led by young guys very, very rarely win. So um, I think, you know, come the end of the year, that, that pick's still going to be somewhere in the in the top five range. I don't think it will be one per se because there, there are certainly teams that are worse than the Nets this year. 
Um, but but they're still. It's not like they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that. So I, I think that's an overreaction. How can Kobe Altman get his hands on either Atlanta Hawks' pick or a, <laughs> or a Dallas Mavericks? Can he do a one-for-one one trade straight up, see if they say yes? Um, I have been really super impressed with the Brooklyn Nets. Even in a few games, even today in their last game, I believe, where they were down by double-digit margin and they fought and they clawed it back to become even and then if not take the lead a little bit. They did that especially against the um, Pacers, I believe, um, where they did really well and ended up losing that game. But I've been really impressed with the Brooklyn Nets. I think that pick is losing a little bit of value just because of the Atlanta Hawks sliding so much. Sacramento Kings, Dallas Mavericks, they look like they're never going to win a game. And I've been really super impressed with D'Angelo Russell's play, and he's really taken the leader's mantle on that. So it's losing a little bit. I'm on the fence. I'm going to be on the fence for this one, if that's okay, Luke. Um, I, I think we all thought that was maybe a top three lock pick. I certainly did coming into the season. I think it's looking sketchy that it might not it might fall even out of the top five range. So yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a fence sitter. I don't like being a fence sitter, but I'm <laughs> I'm sitting on the fence. All right, Chris, we'll go to our final question. Look, this, this question's worded I couldn't think of a better way to word this, so you've got to take it for a grain of salt, but it's more so to chat about the team just to get into a discussion point. Rule or overreaction. Is Golden State losing a bit of their grip on that number one spot in the West? You know, are there any concerns with how they've started? They've been a bit shaky. Real overreaction? <laughs> Definite overreaction. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we all agree there. Yeah. The, listen, those guys, I think um, the difference between now and last season and, and the season before where they won 73 is that I think you've seen them adopt a little bit of the Cavs' regular season mentality in that they'll kind of mess around a little bit, and especially on the defensive end. Um, you've seen their defense hasn't been up to scratch as it has been the past two years, even three years where they've been, you know, top three defense every single season. Um, but when those guys want to turn it on, they only have to play play hard on both ends for about five minutes, mm. and they're out of sight. Mm. Um, you know, that's just how talented they are. And listen, there's no one catching them in the in the West. Um, you know. Who, who's there? Who's, who's going to, yeah. you know... Yeah, well, the Rockets Houston, have looked good. Memphis. Houston have looked good. Um, OKC is still working through a little bit of uh, a funk. Um, the Spurs are doing pretty good without Kawhi being there, um, yeah. but they've also lost three in a row. So there's no one really to catch them. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, definite overreaction for me. Massive overreaction. Yeah. Um, their game against the Toronto Raptors where they were down by so much. I can't remember the exact mm. margin. And then they just turn it on for that last quarter, as as Chris said, and they just go bang. And 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 it kind of copped. The other team is kind of like getting smacked in the face. They don't know how to respond. They did the same thing to the Wizards where they were down by so much. And the, as Chris said, it takes five minutes. That's all it takes. And they're back in the game, whether they're down 20, 15, or 10. They're back in the game winning. Not so much against the Detroit Pistons, who have been out of mind also, but this is a massive overreaction. The only thing I'm surprised a little bit about this is that Golden State Warriors' three best players, Clay, Stephen, and, um, and, um, and Kevin Durant, have been fantastic to start the season, and they have dropped a few games, but uh, massive overreaction. They're going to get it together, um, and yeah, no need to panic if you're a yeah. Dubs fan. They're averaging 121 points, I mean. Yeah, it's I, unbelievable. Yeah. I think there's no if doubt about. Can, if I can just butt in, yep. sorry. Yep. Um, one of the interesting, actually, uh, 
changes that happened in the off-season was the fact that they've reduced timeouts now. Um, mm. I think they've reduced them by two timeouts um, per team. Um, and when you're playing the Warriors, every timeout is very, very mm. crucial because you want to stop those avalanches. Mm. Um, so you've seen now when teams are playing Golden State, they have to really, really um, worry about when they use their timeouts and to use them wisely because um, you have to keep them un, you know, un, up your sleeve whenever those avalanches come. And, and there's one every single game. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's just been very interesting to see teams and, and coaches work through that. Even I think Tyron Lu said today that the Cavs being an older team, that has affected them um, yeah. adversely because you know the older older guys uh, gas um, yeah. in the second half of games and you know, touching on that question again, that that's just he has to um, manage those guys' minutes much better than he has. Yeah, there's no uh, doubt about. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah, it's very interesting. There's no doubt about. Oh, it's been an interesting start to the season. Absolutely. Mm. Well, Chris, uh, we appreciate your time on the podcast. We'll get you on again, no doubt about it, as we progress throughout no. the NBA season. Before we let you go, where can we all find you on Twitter and all your work? Uh, yeah, at C twenty three. Beautiful, you can catch him there. And until next time, mate, we'll catch you again on the NBA on the SCN NBA podcast. Have a good one, boys. Welcome back to the SCN NBA podcast. And Mikey, we'll end the episode our real or overreaction episode with some Twitter questions. We put the call out at SCN America on Twitter this morning for for some questions that you want to be answered for real or overreaction. And we'll start off with at Jordan Keneal, this Knicks defense, he asked, it can't be surely real. So, Mikey, I asked you, let's just talk about the Knicks in general. We'll talk about their defense, just in general. The New York Knicks, rule or overreaction? You know, they haven't been as bad as people have, have, have thought they will be, and Paul Zingas has been amazing. But, you know, can they keep it up? Well, you pronounced that wrong. It was actually Pazing God, <laughs> because he is I'll be an absolute... He's been freak show. He's been, there was this one play the other day. He pulled up from literally oh five feet outside the three point line in rhythm. Bang! Yeah, I think <laughs> unreal. Giannis has been stealing all of the headlines and mm-hmm. rightly so. But Pazingas is going going about his work, um, just doing what he does: a seven foot three shooting threes, blocking shots, getting in lane, ball handling. He's got all of the skills. Will the defense hold up? No, it will not. Will Tim Hardaway Juniors? I think he's an up and down player. He had an he amazing, had, amazing game against Cleveland when they knocked him off at the queue. It was over third. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He was and running then, the floor. He was hitting freeze. He looked unreal. So the question: Will their defense hold up? I don't think so. They're not really defending all that well. I mean, they're they're letting one hundred and two point eight points in, and they're only shooting one hundred and two point eight points. So they're actually breaking even, and their record says that at three and three. I've been super impressed with what they've done. I think Pazingas feels free. He knows it's his team without the, the I guess, the Carmelo Anthony shadow, which is yeah. a pretty big shadow. No, it is. It is. Can't understate that. Can't no, you understate. can't at all. I mean, it's like a not so much like a LeBron, but you know, around those yep. things. I guess we're seeing it with the Pacers. They're yep. just playing f- these teams that are like starless. Yeah. I say that with quotation marks. Just seem to be happy and free. Yeah, it's a free brand of basketball they're it playing. They, a lot they, of pressure off. It totally is, and we're seeing that being played more and more. I mean, you see that with my Sixers, the Brooklyn Nets, and, okay, yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's early in the season, but you see the Cavaliers, how they're playing, mm. and they're just with more stars in their team, and they're just struggling. But, yeah, back to the Knicks. Um, I think it's an overreaction. 
But I'd love to see them play well. Yeah, I think we all do. It's great for New York City oh, as well. It's great for NBA basketball. It is. Having you want, a, New, you want, a good you want, New York team. You want the big teams up and about. Yeah. Uh, we'll end the podcast from the four-point play, the four-point play on Twitter. He asked, will there be two top five picks from the 2015 draft out of the league by next year? Rule or overreaction? Now, just oh, I'm going to assume, so obviously the top five from last year, Anthony Towns, Russell, and Porzingis, they're all staying so the two he is referring to, or he or she are referring to, is Jaleel Okafor and Mario Hizonia, which is a very, very fair question, because neither have really proven themselves at the level. They're not really wanted by both their teams, and they, they've both struggled to find them. I'll ask about Okafor first, Mike. This yeah. is a guy that, yeah, we speak a lot about how quickly the game's changing and whatnot. You talk about how the game has passed someone by who's a kid, well, not a kid, but he's young. He's not old. He can't get on the court. Um, no, he can't get on the court. I tweeted something um, earlier about him. They've actually declined his fourth-year option, the Philadelphia yeah. Sixers, so he will not be in a Sixers uniform at the end of the season. The thing that's really disappointed me, not with him, but maybe with the organization, is he came back in elite in elite shape. Like he worked his butt off in the preseason because he goes, I want to be, he wanted to be thinner, faster, and quicker to, to try and um, fit in with the new NBA. And they really, I don't want to blame Coach Brown, but they really haven't given him even mm. a slight shot. And I don't know what, I don't, we obviously don't, we don't see what they do in practice, but to not even give him a shot, I think he's only played one or two games. But how do you with Embiid in there and all the other guys? Of course, it's he, hard he, to no, fit him doesn't in. fit in, but yeah. Uh, I guess it's it's a really tricky one, and yeah. I, I feel like he's been because he worked his butt off. I feel like he deserved a shot, but no, I think the game has definitely passed him by. He can't defend. No, he can't, and he's that's a, a massive down, issue. He's a back down power forward. Yeah, and look, he's lost up. weight. So yeah, he, correct. How, how much of his strength has he lost as well? And I, I'd hope to see someone would give him a chance, but I think the game is is past yeah. him. And look at someone like Mario Hazonia. They also. Orlando declined the fourth-year option on him as well. So he's, he's a bit out of contract in limbo as well. Um, he just hasn't really gotten the chance. And nor when he has, isn't proven himself to provide any type of efficiency or, or be useful in any end of the court. So I think it's a great question when you think about it. You know, we talk about how valuable these top draft picks are and how much trade value future draft picks have got. I mean, here's two guys that two years after getting picked in the top mm. five probably going to be out of the league. So, and you and you look further down on that draft, and there were some pretty good finds in there as well. Yeah. Maybe like a Miles Turner. And look, you can always you can chat about days for this. Yeah, you can but, look through retrospectively through drafts and figure out if the draft happened today, who would go where. Of course. So you could, I always do that in my head. Yeah, <laughs> mate. And it makes a lot of fan bases very upset. I can yeah. tell you that much because it's a massive what if moment. Hey, Mikey, what isn't a what if moment is how good this podcast and how fun this was to record. Call this rule or overreaction episode before, or you're just putting your hand up there. You want to say something before I wrap well, up? Where they can find me on Twitter. Yeah, well, I was getting to that. If you just <laughs> let me finish my spill, Mikey, where can we find you on Twitter and, and all the other all yeah, the other outlets? Go and follow me on Twitter because I need more followers. But uh, Mickvel12 <laughs> for some good majority NBA chat. Uh, a lot about the Philadelphia 76ers. No doubt. And you can find me on Twitter at Luke Sakari as well, at SEN America on Twitter, of course. And until next time, folks, we'll catch you again on the SEN NBA podcast.